What do an apocalyptic or dystopian future, John Hughes films, and Lord of the Rings have in common? Unfortunately, a fair bit. All this and more coming up on this episode of Lasers and Lockets, the podcast that celebrates strong and complex female characters in science fiction and fantasy entertainment. Let me roll with the theme. All right, welcome back to the show. And this is a live recording. This is our first live recording, so I hope you're a little patient with me as I <laughs> kind of work out some of the kinks and things. Uh, let's go ahead and dive in, I think, with a little bit of nerdy news before we get to the book club discussion. News. All right, season six of Legends of Tomorrow uh, returns on May 2nd on the CW, and I am so excited to catch up with the legends and see what's going to happen. The CW dropped um, a new trailer for that, and I'll leave a link for that in the show notes if you want to check it out. Next, uh, Geek Girl Authority has a great list of their top 10 series with female showrunners, and it does not disappoint. Among the list, you're going to find Winona Earp, Killjoys, Vagrant Queen, and Killing Eve, all of which are some of my favorite TV shows. You can check out the full list in the show notes as well. And then lastly, if you're not following our show on Twitch, uh, that's where we're going to be hosting about one episode a month, um, usually live. And I would also love to get into doing some streaming for... Uh, for game nights and things like that. So community game nights and whatnot. So I would love to get into that. I've been playing a ton of indie games and I would love to, to play with you and in, in the community. So you can find us on Twitch uh, at the link in the show notes, or if you're watching us on Twitch, you probably have already found us. All right, let's get on with the show. So let me paint a little picture for you. Uh, and just, you know, if it's safe for you to do fo do so, go ahead and close your eyes. Uh, think about this for a moment. What do the words Ready Player Two uh, evoke for you? So just kind of think about that. For me, it evokes a little preteen version of myself plunking down beside my older sister on the floor in front of the TV. And she is blowing on the Sonic the Hedgehog cartridge and then pressing it firmly into the Sega Genesis slot. And then she slides the, the little switch on and the familiar Sega startup chime happens. And she hands me the Player 2 controller and we're off to the races to try and kill Dr. Robotnik for the hundredth time. What seems like moments later, but it probably was more like an hour, uh, my mom is calling down the stairs and it's time for dinner. We don't want to lose our progress, so we pause the game and we make sure to inform everybody in the family that we are still playing and definitely double check the pause before we head upstairs. So for most, I think that the term uh, Ready Player 2 denotes someone else playing with you. Now, 
I purposefully avoided spoilers for the the Ready to Player Two book because I really loved Ready Player One. And the title to me, Ready Player Two, got me super excited about the possibilities of this book. So in Ready Player One, I was so into the world of the oasis that was created by Ernest Klein. And I hoped that Ready Player Two might be Samantha-based, maybe, Um, maybe H-based. And so it was a little bit disappointing to me when I discovered that it was going to be all about Wade again. Um, And get you, you know, don't get me wrong, but I still really enjoyed the book quite a bit, and I still got you know, quite a bit, um, what's the word? Super into the world of it, uh, but not until much later into the book. Uh, it, it took until probably three quarters of the way through the book for me to really just feel like I was immersed in the world. And that's kind of unfortunate. I And I don't generally like to spend a lot of time on being negative on my podcast. <laughs> I kind of have a hard time recording an episode of this podcast without talking about some of those difficult things that uh, I encountered with the books. So I just wanted to give that little uh, disclaimer at the beginning. So I thought uh, I thought it might be a good way for us to get into this episode uh, to answer some questions that I, that I came up with and some that I found online about the book um, to kind of prompt the discussion. First question that I came up with is, did you like the book overall? And how did it fare in comparison to Ready Player One? So for me, I did like the book, uh, but there were some significant caveats with that. But we'll get into some of those a little bit later. Uh, But I do feel like the book eventually, like I said before, immersed me in the world of the Oasis. And I found myself towards the end not able to put the book down. It was really slow moving at first, and Wade was exceedingly obnoxious through almost the entire book, which was which was super frustrating. And as I may have mentioned before, you know, live streaming is hard. I can't remember what you say before, but anyway, uh, basically, I felt like Ready Player Two was a copy of Ready Player One with a slightly different villain, but a similar formula. And I feel like there was a lot of opportunity for it to grow beyond that. And unfortunately, it it just didn't. I found that a bit difficult. All right, so the next question that I came up with is, do you feel that the word world building or the plot takes precedence in the sequel? And for me, I didn't feel like either took precedence. And I think that's the sign of a poorly edited book or a poorly written book or both I I can't quite tell not only does that the editing of this book make me feel like somebody basically chopped the essence out and made the book kind of wikipedia friendly but the beauty of the world building in the first book I which I think it really helped me to overcome uh, some of the the negativity that I felt towards the first book because the world was so immersing. A lot of that is lost in the second book. 
And I think a really good example of this is when Wade and Shoto and H and Samantha meet to decide whether to release the O&I to the world or not. And that whole thing is a paragraph. That's it. Just a paragraph. And why didn't they show us the discussion with that? Why didn't they help us to see how that discussion went, that argument? It's just a small, short, in-passing paragraph that they decided to release the O&I, and they outvoted Samantha uh, or Artemis um, with that. So it's kind of super frustrating. And then, you know, later on in the book, when they're in Middle-earth, they're, they were just so inelegantly in and out of the fortress without any sort of fanfare. Um, and conveniently, it, you know, Artemis drops out of the sky and has some sort of magical tool to fix everything. And it just seemed everything was just super rushed. Like every single battle scene uh, up until the end of the book just basically is super rushed. And that doesn't happen really in the world of RPGs. I mean, I play World of Warcraft uh, pretty extensively. And those boss fights, to me, they never are that simple. There's always a lot of different things you have to coordinate with your whole team and, and all of that. So things like that rather frustrated me. And in my research online, apparently it frustrated a lot of people, gamers and, and things like that. All right, so my next question that I came up with is, do you feel that Klein portrays women, different races, and LGBTQ plus characters in a positive light? So for me, this is a complex question. Uh, The LGBTQ plus characters and different races? Absolutely not. It felt like he basically just slapped every single bad possible trope into a mix, and tried to tell himself that he was woke. See? I have a black character who is also LGBTQ+. Oh, and I also have a particularly offensive portrayal of a transgender person as well. And I was also super creepy in figuring that out. I'm obsessed with putting labels on people so that you can see that I have all these different labels in the book. It just, it super frustrated me with the, the portrayal of, of LGBTQ plus and also different races within the book. Now, female characters, a little different. Um, in Ready Player One, I feel like there was a significant emphasis on the male gaze. Um, Wade was constantly talking about how attractive Artemis's uh, avatar was. And that emphasis is largely gone in Ready Player Two, and um, Sam and H and Lo, even um, they have a a much larger role in this book. But it's it's hard for me to say. I feel like though he he portrays Klein portrays the female characters as really intelligent, which I appreciate. Uh, but I I just don't feel like they were utilized to the most of their ability uh, with this. They're very two-dimensional, and there was a lot of potential for them to become these really incredible 3D characters, and it just it never happened. And I'm not sure if Klein has the ability to really fully flesh out a female character. 
um, there were so many different opportunities when within the book that they could do that, especially with the O&I, because it technically the whole thing was about this immersive view of the world of the of the oasis. And so there was an opportunity for Wade to really embody and experience the the female experience. Um, and it just it just never happened, which is unfortunate. And I hate to say this, but a lot of male authors have a hard time with writing female characters, and Klein was no different. He does have really intelligent females in the in the book, but I just feel like they fall flat a little bit. I don't know. In in Ready Player Two, I just yeah, it just frustrates me. I don't have much else to say on that. All right, the next question. In Ready Player Two, because of the O and I. Lots of people started using realistic avatars instead of made-up identities, and they wanted to portray themselves online that way instead. So do you think that our world is trending to a more authentic online interaction or away from that? And why do you think it was important for Klein to mention that Wade or Parzival chose to keep his avatar and hide his emotional cues from everyone else so I thought that was super interesting in the book is that everybody else sort of started to show their emotions they turned that that switch on but Wade chose to continue to hide behind that I think it's kind of a tricky question I think it's harder and harder for people to remain anonymous online so I think it's just naturally starting to trend towards more authenticity but there's always going to be that anonymity on the internet in a way if people want to find it. I know for myself, I found myself increasingly uh, wanting to follow people who are a little bit more authentic. I did a social uh, media calling a little bit while back and got rid of anything who didn't inspire me to be a better person. And it made a huge difference. And so I think it was important in the world that Klein created to kind of show that Wade chose to use his old avatar because Wade had kind of turned into a terrible person who hated himself and hated everybody else really. And he wanted to control perceptions of himself more out of fear than anything else. And so he, if he can control his emotions, then he can't let people see who he really is and in the, in the monster that he kind of turned into. So I think that's part of the reason why they did it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I think it's kind of an interesting and complex character there. All right, next question. Did you have a favorite pop culture part of the book? Uh, did you feel like any of them were a disappointment? I f- feel like I really enjoyed the uh, the John Hughes films portion. Um, I love those. Those films are some of my favorite. So... I felt like I could relate to that. I felt like I could also relate to the Lord of the Rings section of to Middle Earth and, and all those, but I could not relate to the Prince section. I was never really into Prince, so I just, yeah, that wasn't my thing. I feel like there were just way too many references that were just thrown in there just to, to fill a void, but yeah, John Hughes stuff was really fun. I also really loved, uh, again, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons um, references and things like that, because I can understand those. But uh, 
yeah, I think those are those are probably my favorite. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I swear a lot of the book that could have been great, like a lot of that world building uh, that could have been great is probably in a trash can somewhere or it was never ejected from Klein's mind to the keyboard, which is unfortunate because you can tell that he has some sort of world building intelligence because of his first book. Like, I loved Ready Player One. Like, I I loved it. But this book, it just didn't live up to it. And I don't know if it was because my expectations were too high or what it may be, but that's, that's just kind of how I feel. All right. Next question here. Samantha's emotional intelligence and, well, intelligence about pretty much everything was vastly to Wade, superior to Wade's. Why couldn't this book have been centered around Samantha as the lead character instead of Wade? Could it have worked? Ready Player Two lent itself more to be centering around a different character, um, not around the same character with a second quest, I felt. I thought this question was interesting. This book, I feel, should have been led by another character like Samantha or H or Lowe even. And I think it would have been incredibly good. Like, can you think about how incredibly interesting it would have been to see a person using a classic uh, O&I, or not an O&I, classic Oasis interface helmet, whatnot, um, to save the entire human race that are using the O&I headsets? I mean, essentially, that is what happened, but it wasn't centered around uh, Samantha, which is... It's unfortunate. I think it would have been. I think it would have been really awesome. Um, we could see her navigating the moral gray areas and solving puzzles. And I just ultimately, I think she had the opportunity to help redeem Wade in the end. But it just, it just never happened. Wade never progressed beyond being a jerk face, and then realizing that he was a jerk face but he never changed, which really irked me. So I think I think it could have been really incredible if it had been developed a little bit more and if the female characters had been a little bit more 3D. Even Wade had been a little bit more 3D would have been awesome. All right, last question that I came up with. Um, what do you think about Holiday becoming the creepy and terrible villain of the story and Wade becoming something similar? Personally, I do not understand why Halliday suddenly turned in from this social isolated, possibly borderline autistic character who is ultimately good to this terrifying villain who not only violated his best friend's girlfriend in an exceedingly vile way, in my opinion, there, there's just no need for that. Um, but I believe that the plot would have been better served by showing the downfall and then ultimate redemption of Wade. There was no, we saw the downfall and the spiral, but there was no ultimate redemption of him. Like he could have been the ultimate villain of the whole book, not having to have this, this holiday character being the villain, because I don't think that that was what the character was in the first book. He was kind of this eccentric, 
socially isolated, possibly on the autism spectrum character who was actually really interesting and, and brilliant. And he had these really incredible friends. And so I just, it just didn't ever sit well with me that that was what was happening. I think, like I mentioned before, I much would have rather read a book where Samantha and H and Shoto and Lo uh, saved Wade from himself. Um, I think it would have been a much, much more interesting book to me. I don't know. It just, it just didn't sit well with me. The, the whole situation with Halliday and what he did. Um, it just, yeah. Anyway. Also, I think one of the most frustrating things for me was that Samantha ended up with, uh, with Wade in the end. That, that didn't need to happen. And also, I don't think that Wade did anything, uh, in order to warn that. So that's probably one of the most frustrating things for me in the whole, in the whole book was that Samantha, I don't think he did enough for her to ever come back to him. He needed to do a lot more to redeem himself before somebody as incredible as Samantha. Yeah, it just didn't sit well with me. I know that seems like a lot of, of negativity towards the book, but overall, should you read Ready Player Two if you haven't read it yet? I think it's still a yes for me, but with the, the caveat, you have to make sure that you go into it with expectations that you're likely going to be disappointed by some things. Um, but but overall, it was it was fun. It was a fun escape, and it was good right in the middle of winter uh, for me to go ahead and read that. It did immerse me and get me excited about the future of VR. I just I think that if you check your expectations, uh, it can be it can be a fun read. There are a lot of really interesting parts in it. Um, I enjoyed getting to see Kira's backstory and learning more about her life and how she came to be friends with uh, Halliday and Og. And uh, I really enjoyed seeing how strong she was. And, and that's a good example of a female character that I feel like he did good things with. Um, I think that he he really developed Kira in a in a really respectful way but to have all that stuff on top of it it just I don't know Wade getting to see the flashbacks of Kira was interesting the other interesting thing is that for each shard that he received he was supposed to pay a toll but I don't feel like there was really any toll that was ever made with it but you know, it's a cool premise to be able to see the backstory of a character and who they are and what they, you know, what they may become. So I, I, I found that a really interesting part of the book. I'm trying to think. Yeah, the John Hughes movies just really stood out to me. That portion was quite fun. I loved the car references there. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, as long as you check your expectations, it's a really fun read, and eventually it'll immerse you into it. The The last quarter of the book, I just sat there on my bed, and I just, you know, turned the page, loved it. So I think it just takes some time to get into it. It had a lot of potential to be to be a lot better than that. So anyway, um, I would love to hear what you guys thought of the book. You know, we can chat here on Twitch about it, or you can tweet us at Lasers Lockets, or you can join our Discord uh, server. We can always have a discussion over there about it. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting book. 
and I'm glad I read it, but I, I just didn't love it as much as Ready Player One. I still love Ready Player One, but I hope that if Ernest Klein writes another book, hopefully not a sequel. I think he kind of set it up for there never being a sequel again, but who knows? I hope that he learns from this book and uh, and grows from that. Okay. So that brings us to the end of the episode, but I have gone ahead and selected the next book uh, for our book club. If, if you guys are interested in doing it again, if you're not, I'm still going to read books anyway, but uh, I, I do love to read with, with people and to discuss things. And so the, the book that I have selected is on the recommendation of a friend uh, and it is called Axiom's End by Lindsay Ellis. That'll be the that'll be the book for the next book club, and I have it on good authority from that friend that it, it is excellent, and I cannot wait to dive into that. So that's it for this episode of Lasers and Lockets Live. Thank you so much for your patience while we kind of work this out, and I promise I will continue to try to get better at streaming. It is all new to me. Uh, and I know that I have been a bit nervous today. Hopefully it was kind of fun and I can't wait until the next time we do it. So until then, uh, do not let a computer control your brain. Get out into the real world and make some real connections as safely as possible, especially right now. And of course, get your nerd on and be awesome. All right. All right.